Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Amen. How many can say amen to that? You know, this is why we have church. The whole central theme of Christianity is about a person. And we've made Christianity about church growth. We made Christianity about blessings, about finances. We've made Christianity about all, uh, gossip clubs. Amen? But the central theme of Christianity is one person, and that's Jesus. And last week, I started a series on the nature and the attributes of Jesus. Why? Because the greatest question that could ever be asked to humanity is what I shared last week in Mark, uh, Mark 16 where it's, and Matthew 16, where it says, who do people say I am? Can we go before the Lord? Are you ready for the word this morning? Yes. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking that you would reveal your word today. You would speak to our hearts, encourage us. Father, there's many people here in this room at different levels in their walk with you, but I'm asking that you would reveal the nature and attributes of Jesus, your son. For he is the only one who could change us. A building can't change us. A church can't change us. A denomination can't change us. It's only the person of Jesus. We love you and we thank you. And everyone said? Amen. Can you hear me good? Is it too loud for you guys? No? Okay. All right, just lower a little bit my monitor and be good. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, guys. By the way, it's okay to get excited in church. It's okay to smile. Some people are like looking at me like I have pickle juice on my head or something. That's a new one, <laughs> Rachel. I used to say cockroach on my head, so at least I'm graduating. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to look at, and it's going to be on the screen, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to highlight different attributes of Jesus every week. Last week, I, had to, I highlighted the, the, the attribute of him being the Lord and our only answer. Amen? How many were here last week? Today, I want to highlight a beautiful attribute of Jesus. He's, it's impossible to describe Jesus in one hour, in two hours, in three hours. He's never ending yet. He's wanting us to search him out. Isn't that amazing? And so today I want to talk about the attribute, his beautiful attribute. And some of you guys are going to be healed emotionally from this. The attribute of his faithfulness, his never-ending faithfulness. That's one of his beautiful attributes. I'm going to share it with you. Look at what Paul the Apostle spoke to Timothy. Therefore I endure, verse 10, all things for the sake of the elect. The elect meaning those who he's called. That they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now look at verse 11 through 13. If you have your Bibles, you have your tablet. By the way, bring your Bibles at church. Amen. This is a faithful saying. Look what he says. For if we die with him, with Jesus, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we also shall reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. That's pretty deep right there. Now watch this, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Now watch, the, the last verse says everything. Because he cannot deny himself. I want you to get that real quick because we, we kind of just speed through that. He says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. 
This talks about his DNA. His nature is faithfulness. That means that he can't even try to be unfaithful because it's part of who he is. He would deny himself if he would be unfaithful. So it's impossible for God to be unfaithful to you. If he did, he would cease to be God. It's impossible for Jesus to be unfaithful in any area, even for a slight moment. He cannot be unfaithful for one second because he will deny himself. Think about what I'm saying this because this is going to help you to understand this beautiful attribute of Jesus. One of the incredible and beautiful realities of Jesus is this, is that the faithfulness of God is his very nature. Are you hearing me in this church? And it never can be changed and it can never be reversed. It can never be changed, and it can never be reversed. His faithfulness will never be reversed. He doesn't have these off days like we do. He doesn't have these things. Paul, the apostle, had an incredible revelation of the faithfulness of God. If you guys don't know who Paul the apostle is, he was Saul before he became Paul. And many of you guys know this, but for the sake of some that don't, just a little history. He was the biggest knucklehead that there was. He killed Christians, and he had knowledge. Knowledge. See, that's another thing that I won't go into right now. A lot of times people, the hardest people to turn to Jesus are the ones who make their intellect their God. They're smart, and they're, they're, they could outsmart you. They could outdebate you, and they could never re, re, leave room for God. And so Paul the Apostle was studied this, the law. He had studied the scriptures, and yet he did not have a revelation of who Jesus is. And let me pause and say this. You could go to church all your life and never have a revelation of who Jesus is. He read the scriptures. He knew the law. I used to say this all the time when I was a youth pastor. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. You could stand in a garage 24 hours a day, it doesn't make you a car. But that's what cars do. Cars park in garages, yet that doesn't make, make us a Christian just because we go to church. Now, I'm glad you're at church, but how many people go to church and they're not following or knowing Jesus? And I don't say that to rebuke. I say that to open our eyes. Open our eyes. That Listen to what Jesus said. He says this. Paul had a, had a revelation of his faithfulness, of Jesus' faithfulness, because even as a murderer, later down in his life, God trusted this man, Paul, to have a position of ministry. Let me pause and say this. His faithfulness says nothing disqualifies you from his call in your life. Nothing. Well, you don't understand. You know, I, I've done bad things. Nothing disqualifies you from the nature of faithfulness that's always driving, always proactive to make sure that he fulfills what he's called you to be. Nothing. And so that's why he turned to Timothy and said, Timothy, I have a revelation of the faith of the attribute of Jesus that many people don't know. He is faithful and he cannot deny himself. Thank God that the nature of his faithfulness is not determined by our faithfulness. <laughs> Thank God that the faithfulness of Jesus is not determined by our level of faithfulness to him. Could you imagine if God's faithfulness to us was determined by how faithful we are to him? Talk, talk about never getting an answer. Because people by nature are inconsistent. But Jesus is never that way. But we have to understand, even though this is simplistic, you have to get this attribute into your head that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he doesn't, he, he, his faithfulness is not determined by our unfaithfulness. Can I hear an amen for that? His, his faithfulness is not determined by our 
unfaithfulness. As a matter of fact, in the business world, hear me now for a second. In the business world, nowadays, you can't even um, bank on somebody's word anymore. Like they said, they'll be there for you, and they're going to be there. They're going to give you some things, or they're going to whatever. And in the business world, nowadays, they say something, and they don't follow through for what they say. In the social world, marital and relational infidelity is at its all-time high. Relationally, maritally, it, they say one out of two marriages ends up in a divorce. That's unfaithfulness. Yet we are so programmed in our mind of unfaithfulness that that's why we can't relate to, to, to a holy God with pure, unending, and never broken faithfulness. We can't really fathom the faithfulness of God because our culture has always dictated unfaithfulness. Maybe not intentionally, but many times unintentionally, we say we're going to do something and we don't. Or you've been a victim of someone promising you something. Come on, say amen. And they don't go through. So in our mind, we're convinced. That's just another, this is another failure. God is just going to set me up. I'm going to put my trust in him. But, you know, in a couple of months from now, he's going to let me down. Why? Because we're so conditioned to be recipients of unfaithfulness. But God cannot deny himself. He, he cannot deny himself. One of the beautiful attributes of Jesus is, is that he is, listen to me, faithful 100% of the time, all the time. He's never missed a beat. He bats 1,000 every single time. He, he's never, and I'm going to break it down just a little bit to you so you guys know. This is what it's about. And one of the great things about the faithfulness of God, now here, I want you to see this. It's going to be up there on the slide. One of the greatest things of the faithfulness of God is that his faithfulness is consistent. Hear me. His faithfulness is consistent, which brings us confidence. I could have had a good amen on that one. His faithfulness is consistent, which brings confidence even when we don't know what he is doing and the season that we are in. Because if he was inconsistent, we will not be confident to approach a holy God. The fact that his faithfulness is consistent gives us confidence to, to make sure every time we go to God, we we're going to get an answer. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit of things in, in a few minutes, but here's the problem. There's faithfulness without consistency. You could be faithful and not consistent. Oh, come on, Pastor George. I'm trying. You could be faithful and be inconsistent. Don't, don't misconstrue faithfulness with being sporadically faithful. I thank God for that. But faithfulness has to include consistency or it's not faithfulness. Loyalty. He's loyal all the time. As a matter of fact, he can't be unloyal. He can't, even if he tries, he can't. Do you understand how much confidence that could bring me and you when it comes to believing God for things? You have to understand that his faithfulness is consistent and, con and it brings confidence and it releases that when we don't know the seasons that we're in and we don't know what he's saying. How many of you guys don't know what he's saying sometimes? <laughs> Amen. I think all of us. Amen for that. See, even the phone says it. <laughs> the phone says, Amen. And the inconsistency breeds a lack of confidence and trust. Listen, listen, listen. Many people have trust issues. The reason they have trust issues be, is because of they've been recipients of unfaithfulness. Think about what I'm just saying. Think about anybody who has trust issues here. The root of your trust issues is because at one point in your life, you have been a recipient of unfaithfulness, which breeds hurt and lack of trust. 
And so now we approach God the same way that we approach people. Because people have been unfaithful, so we think God's going to be unfaithful. And it's not that way at all. You have to wash that thing out of your mind. Look at what the book of Hebrews says. The book of Hebrews in chapter 10 says something very powerful, and it'll be up on the screen. Let us, sorry, chapter 10, verse 23, in case you're turning. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Are you getting something this morning? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, listen to this, without wavering. Everybody say without wavering. And that's not talking about you going like this. That's talking about you going like this spiritually, emotionally, mentally. He said, let us go, let us, listen to what he said. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Here's the key, look at me. How do we not waver? How do we not waver? For he who promised is what? Say that again. He who promises, he didn't say he who promises is powerful. He didn't say he who promised is, is great, although he's great. He didn't say he who promised is awesome, even though he's awesome. He goes, the reason why you and I can't, don't have to waver in doubt is because you have to have a revelation that the one who promised it, he's faithful. So a revelation of the attribute of Jesus' faithfulness actually anchors you to not doubt. Woo! The revelation of his faithfulness anchors you to say, it may be a little bit uh, 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 shady right now, but he remains faithful. It doesn't say that things will be perfect, but when you have a revelation of his faithfulness, you know what will go out the window? This is going to be good for some of you guys. When you have a faithfulness, a, a revelation of his faithfulness, what goes out the window is worry and anxiety. Think about why we worry. At the core of why we worry, we're basically saying that we don't have a revelation of his faithfulness. Think about that. Why do we worry? It's not because we're bad people. It's because we're so quick to see our immediate circumstances and not lean on the beautiful nature of faithfulness of God that he will come through. But here's the key. Here's the key. I need you to see this now. There's a difference between his fa- Oh, this is going to be good. There's a difference between his faithfulness and his timing. Listen to me. Listen to me because people get mad. They confuse this stuff. There's a difference between his faithfulness and his timing. A lot of times his faithfulness is not in your timing and therefore we misjudge his faithfulness. Because his timing doesn't indicate a lack of faithfulness. Delay is not denial or unfaithfulness. As a matter of fact, he proves his faithfulness at times by what he doesn't give you. Oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. He proves his faithfulness to you and I by what he doesn't give you. Could you imagine if God gave you everything you wanted at all times? We'll be a bunch of spoiled brats. I want a new car right now. Well, God is not faithful. He didn't give it to me. No, oh, I, I, you know what, God? I'm having trouble with this person at work. Remove that person at work in Jesus' name. <laughs> it's called witchcraft prayer. <laughs> well, Lord, I don't like him. Uh, remove him in Jesus' name. You know I'm holy. He's not. Uh, Lord, I need a million dollars to pay. You can't even uh, uh, budget $50. How can, no, no, no. I'm not trying to be mean. How can you, but how can God trust you with a thousand dollars? You can't budget 50. I'm not trying to be mean. What I'm saying is that his faithfulness is proven by what he doesn't give you sometimes. Because if he gives us everything we wanted at the time we want it, we'll, we won't learn discipline, and we won't learn faithfulness, and we won't learn patience. Don't 
misunderstand his faithfulness and his timing. He's still faithful, even when you don't understand his timing. I know us humans think that he's altogether like us. I know we think that his faithfulness is determined by, by our unfaithfulness, and we we're, we're say something and we never do it, or we say something we forget, and we hit our head, our, our hands on our head, whatever. But God is not together like us. As a matter of fact, I love what Isaiah said to the people of God when they were doubting God's faithfulness, and they saw mighty works. You heard this before, but I wanted you to see on the screen in Isaiah 55. Look what the Bible says in Isaiah 55. It's an amazing thing. Oh, I love this. Are you getting something today? His, listen, his faithfulness is not determined by your timetable. Please hear me now. This is good. Not some of you guys are like, wow, that makes sense now. We're equating his faithfulness with his timing, and his timing is not our timing, and his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Let me have a newsflash for you. God doesn't think like us. Well, Pastor George, you know, we have the mind of Christ. Yes, we have the mind of Christ, but he doesn't think like us. We think like him. We're trying to think like him. Look at what the Bible says in Isaiah. It's a popular verse, but I want you to see something to anchor you today in the area of faithfulness. Because listen to me. Hear me. This is good. His words are his promises, and his promises are are his words. So whatever he spoke to you, either verbally or in prayer or as a promise, how many have a, a, a spoken prophetic word over your life that hasn't come to pass? Guess what? His words that were spoken over you because of his nature of faithfulness, he has to complete it. But it's not in the timetable that you and I think because in the timetable, he's what God is doing. He is shaping character. The greatest thing that God could ever do in your life is not that you could run around and shout and, and say how big uh, of a building you have. Is when people look at you, do they see Jesus in you? And that takes time. We're in a microwave society. We say, Lord, nuke, nuke me now and make me more like Jesus. Right now, 30 seconds. Boop. Oh, there you go. I'm like Jesus. It's in the waiting that we become discouraged. It's in the process that we say, I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up. No, no, no. He's not into the destination. He's into the journey. Because the journey shapes you. And it hurts. The journey hurts. Boy, the, if, the, if the journey didn't hurt, all of us will, will be giants for the Lord right now. Look at what the Bible says. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For... As high as the heavens are over the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. Think about what he says. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Look at this. Look at what it says. So shall my word, because he's faithful, this is his nature, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. I like to... I like to add a, a, a PG version here, the PGV version. But it shall accomplish whatever I please. I just inserted whatever, but he says what I please. It's the same connotation. It will accomplish whatever I please. Listen to, the, listen to this. My word shall prosper in the things which I sent it. Come on, guys. He, he's basically saying if you understand the nature of faithfulness that I have, that means my promises and my words. Are you ready for this? For your family, for your son, for your business, for your daughter, for your own life. He never fails. He never forgets. He never falters, and he never forfeits his promises. 
the four F's. He never forgets, he never fails, he never falters, and he never forfeits what he said. Here's the good news. If God ever spoke it, he is bound to complete what came out of his mouth. In his word. Now, how do you get a revelation of his faithfulness? This is going to be simple, but many people miss it. You can't have a revelation of his attributes without spending time with the person. You, you and I will know his faithfulness if we spend time intentionally with Jesus, we spend time in his word, and we spend time in prayer, and we spend time with people of God. Because if not, you won't understand. Like I said last week, last week I said something powerful. The body of Christ gets their revelation of Jesus based on other people's revelation of Jesus. We have to get our own revelation of Jesus because so-and-so's revelation of Jesus may be great, but I haven't entered into that revelation, and if I only have head knowledge of that revelation, I, it won't sustain me in the day of trouble. It won't sustain me. You and I have to dig deep and say, God, I want to know you. Can I hear an amen? It's one thing to, to know this divine truth, and it's another thing to act upon it. Say, act upon it. Now, here's a beautiful thing. Here's a beautiful thing. One of the greatest attributes of his faithfulness is this. Now, I need you to hear me, right? Is this. If Jesus was able to be perfectly faithful to his father, what makes you think he's not going to be faithful to you? If Jesus was perfectly faithful, listen to this. Because Jesus was perfectly faithful to the father, he will be perfectly faithful to you in everything. Now, now listen to what I'm saying. I know this sounds really simple. Jesus was faithful to his heavenly Father in all things. If we get that revelation, who do you think us frail human beings are that he can't accomplish his, his promises to us when he was perfectly faithful to Almighty God? Look at what, John, uh, what Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews 3, verse 1 through 2 says. Look, are, you, are you still here? You excited? Hebrews 3, look at verse 1 through 2. Look what it says. It says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Who is it? Come on, shout at me. Who is it? Christ Jesus, who was faithful. He's another word. To him who appointed him. Who's him? His father. Consider Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all of his house, not some of his house, not 90% of his house, not 99% of his house, all of his house. Boy, that's a rare reality. Do you know why we don't know faithfulness? Because we don't see it. In the world, do we really see faithfulness nowadays? Do we really see that? It's almost like, yeah, I know that, but it's in our head, but it's almost like a dream. It's like, I can't believe someone could be faithful to me all the time because we've had heartache after heartache after heartache after heartache so we're programmed to say god is going to be sometimes unfaithful or sometimes he's not going to come through here is the human mechanism if jesus could be perfectly faithful to the father now watch this in john 17 verse 3 you don't have to you don't have to go there but in john 17 jesus is praying for his disciples he's literally moments away from the cross now think up to me this is mind-boggling Imagine, I'm going to be a little graphic so you can understand. Imagine knowing in your head that you're about to suffer the most horrific torture and you know how it's going to come through. You know how it's going to come to pass because you're God and you know what, what pain. You're about to suffer the most horrific torture because of your love for humanity. They're going to put, 
moments, moments like let's say an hour from now, you know that you are going to have your back brutally scourged by people until it looks like hamburger meat. You know that in an hour or so from now, your wrists and your, nail, and your feet are going to be driven by nails onto a wooden beam. What would you be thinking about during that time? I'll tell you what I'll be thinking about. Oh, God, get me out of here. God, is there any way can, you could, you could kind of get, I could escape through the back door? In John 17, he's moments away from being betrayed, and he prays his prayer. He said, God, I want them to be with me, to share my glory. And then he said this, I have finished the work that you have sent me to do. Now, wait a minute. Yeah, it wasn't even on the cross yet. I thought in the cross he said it is finished. Yeah, he did say it's finished on the cross. But in John 17, he said, I have finished the work of discipleship and revealing the nature of the Father to the people you've given me. Think about the faithfulness of God that during his most crucial time of his life, he's thinking about completing what the Father gave him to do towards his people. He wasn't thinking about himself although he did feel that pain, he was thinking about how can I completely be faithful? <laughs> how can I finish what the Father gave me to do for these people here who've been following me for three years? I need to focus on finishing them. And then when he did, he goes, it's done. I, I declared your name. I've glorified your name. Now I'm ready. Moments after that prayer, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was started to be betrayed, and the process started happening. Think about this, my friends. I mean, one of his, you know why this is so powerful? It's because one of the names of Jesus, hear me now, one of his names is the faithful and true witness. Wait a minute. He, he has names. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, El Shaddai. He has all these names, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. One of the names that he describes himself, but I want you to hear this. This is important. Christina and the team, could you get up here with the band? Could it come up here? Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit here. Some of you need to hear this because you've been wounded by unfaithfulness. You've been wounded by unfaithfulness, and there is no way that you could relate to something that I'm talking about. But you have to relate to him, and the only way you relate to him is by opening your heart to him and giving him all the wounds that unfaithfulness has Rest, uh, tried to, to bring into your life. It's, an, it's amazing here what Jesus says because one of his names is faithful and true. And I want you to look at me. Do you know, and those of you who know the scriptures know where I'm going. Do you know when he decided to name himself the faithful and true? A little, little quiz here. Do you know when he decided, he goes, hey, one of my names. Tell, he was telling one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation that this is his name. Hey, Tell what I'm about to tell you is tough. And you know who we're saying it to? The lukewarm church in, in Revelation 3. Now watch. He was, he was about to give a heavy rebuke. P please listen to me. Because, oh, this is so powerful. He was about to give a heavy rebuke to the church of Laodicea, which was lukewarm. What is lukewarm? Having one foot in the world, one foot with God, and thinking it's okay. You don't want to get me started on that. <laughs> Some people say, well, it's okay to have one foot with God, one foot. No, listen, ladies, all the, married, all the married ladies or all the, or the guys, you do not want one unfaithful day. with your, Could you imagine your husband says, I'll do everything you can, I'll do everything for you, but just one day of unfaithfulness, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you massage in bed, I'll give you food in, in bed, bed and breakfast at your house. 
but just give me one day of unfaithfulness. All you ladies, well, what would you do? You have that little Spanish thing coming up. Oh, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's just one day of unfaithfulness. But 364 days, he'll give you everything you want. But yet, if he says, listen, I'll do all that for you every single day. Massage you. I'll give you bed. I'll co- uh, in breakfast, I'll cook for you. But just give, me have, just, just, just give me one day of unfaithfulness. What would you say? No. How, why do we expect anything different from God? Yet, in your human nature, you're like, I want all of you or none of you. Come on, say amen. That's not a lot of amens, but it's okay. Watch what I'm about to say. Jesus says, I am the faithful and true witness when he's about to rebuke. This is important that you hear me. That when he's about to rebuke the Laodicean church for being lukewarm. Why does he call himself faithful before the rebuke? This is, watch this. Because he knows, whew, that the message that he's about to give is going to sting a little bit. He says, listen, I'm, I, I want to introduce my nature to you first. I'm still good. I'm about to correct you, but listen to who I am. I am faithful, and I am true. I'm a true witness, and I'm faithful. After he says that, he he begins to rebuke the, the lukewarm church for their lukewarm ways. But he begins by saying, I'm correcting you, watch this, because I love you. One of his aspects of his faithfulness is he's faithful to correct us and discipline us when we go astray. Time out. I know that's not getting a lot of hand claps. Do you realize how important the attribute of faithfulness to correct you is? Could you imagine if God never corrected? Wait, how many parents are in here? Raise your hand. What would happen is in the name of love if you never corrected your child? What? Oh, no, no, no. We don't want to, we don't, we don't want to show them that we're not loving. No, no. It's because you love them that you correct them. And you know what the Bible says in Hebrews? The Bible says in Hebrews that he says, those whom I love, I correct. That's what the Bible says. He says, those who I love, God says, I correct. He is faithful. One of his attributes of faithfulness is to correct you. Why does he correct us? To produce mature sons and daughters of the kingdom. He does not want spiritual flip-flops. Spiritual babies all the time. There's a time for spiritual babies. But when you're 13 years old, you don't suck on your thumb anymore. Faithfulness to correct you proves that he loves you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that whom he does not correct are illegitimate and not real sons or daughters. I didn't say that. Hebrews 12 says that. Hebrews 12 says that those who are without correcting are not legitimate. You have to understand that sometimes we feel the sting of his correction in our life through the word or through preaching. Sometimes you leave a church, you're like, man, that hurt good, but I need to change some areas in your life. It's not to condemn you. It's because he loves you. He says, I see something in you that has been hindering you from walking with me. And so I'm faithful to highlight that anger issue in your life. Come on, somebody. I'm faithful to highlight that bitterness in your life. Well, well, you're just mean, God. No, 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 no. I love you, and I don't want you to stay that way. I'm faithful to correct you, watch this, through your authority figures. I'm faithful, faithful to correct you because you have gone astray and you've developed a hard heart. Do you know what, what God does sometimes to bring us back to him? Because sometimes we've developed such a hard heart that he uses circumstances to bring correction to our lives, to humble us. 
If you don't humble yourself, you will get humbled. I don't want it that way. I'd rather humble myself. But guys, listen to me. Here's the good news. He starts the rebuke by saying, have you, have you ever spanked? I, I, used to, I used to get mad at my parents when they said, this is going to hurt you more than, this, than it hurts me. Bend over. I'm like, no, it ain't going to hurt me more. He's like, it's going to hurt me more. Pow. And I realized something about that. It hurts the father to see you in pain, but he has to let the process go through. He's faithful to the end. You know what the Bible says? He who began a good work in you shall be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus. Another scripture says that he promises to perfect that which concerns you. My friends, his faithfulness is not just about gooey, dewy uh, feelings of his presence. His faithfulness is, is proven by what he doesn't give you, and his faithfulness is proven by his correction in our life. Thank, listen, thank God that we are being corrected by God because that's a sign that he still loves us. Can I hear an amen? It, 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 it brings maturity. You know, I, I said this before and I'll say it again. I wish I could pray a six-pack in, but it, that's not going to happen. I could say, Lord, give me a six-pack tomorrow. It's not going to happen. I have to, I have to be disciplined. But he's faithful. Say he's faithful. Come on, some of you need to hear that. He's faithful. Come on, say that one more time. He's faithful. I'm going to read a quote to you, and I'm almost closing. I read a book by Arthur W. Pink. I don't know if you know who he is. Amazing author. He said this, quote, listen to me. I'm almost done. When the Lord, he says, when the Lord disciplines us with the rod of correction, it's faithfulness that holds the rod. I'll say that again. When the Lord disciplines us with the rod of correction, it's his faithfulness which holds the rod. I want to say this to you. You know what, one of the things that will happen, I'm almost closing. You know, one of the things that will happen when we have a revelation of his faithfulness, not only will worry and anxiety go, not only will we have confidence, not only will we have freedom, no, this is going to be good, church. We will stop murmuring and complaining. When we have a revelation of his faithfulness, we will stop saying, well, God, what, what, why is God taking so long? See, you know what, I don't understand. I tried, I went to church, you see, and nothing happened. You know what? I went to, I went to this, I wanted, I wanted to get involved and no one called me. You know what? I'm out of here. Well, you know his faithfulness? You're not going to look at what, what people do to you to determine how you respond. What you're going to do is say, it doesn't matter if he likes me. It doesn't matter if she likes me. It doesn't matter if I'm not getting, I know one of these days my God is faithful. Look, look, at, look at me for a second. This wasn't in my notes. But I could tear up and just thinking about this. When I look at this season that I'm in my life, I say, God has been faithful. If you would have told me last year, this time last year, this time last year, George, by this time that next year, you're going to be in a facility and you're going to be a lead pastor, I would have laughed at you. I would have been like, you're crazy, bro. Or sis. But it happened starting in March and it accelerated. And I'm here today because of the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God over my life. And the Lord, I hear this from the Lord even now. Some of you need to know the faithfulness of God over your finances. Some of you need to know the faithfulness of God over your loved ones. 
Some of you need to know the faithfulness of God this morning over your situation. Some of you need to know the faithfulness of God over a wayward son or a wayward daughter or a brother or a sister or someone that you haven't talked to and injured you. You need to know the faithfulness of God during this season because it's the faithfulness of God that's going to sustain you while you wait. While you wait, because it's a tough process, you remind yourself, he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, watch this, you will reap if what? If what? If you do not faint. You know what another translation for faint is? Give up. He says, do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will not give up. You, you will reap if you not give up. Last but not least. Oh, this is good, church. I can see the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Some of you guys are feeling the presence of God right now. Why? Because, this sounds weird, but just hear me. Faithfulness is healing you. The revelation of his faithfulness is driving that doubt right, right out of you. When you have a revelation of faithfulness, you can look at your situation and say, this is temporary. Paul the Apostle said, our light afflictions, but it's, that is only for a moment, is producing in you a far more weight of glory. Now, 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 Paul the Apostle described lightweight as stoning, flogging. When's the last time you guys got stoned? When's the last time a whole bunch of people, because of your faith, started stoning you and you had fractured jaw and he calls that light affliction? We get bent out of shape because our AC is not working. I can't believe it. I'm going to backslide right now. I've been faithful to God. I've been giving, and my car broke down. It's over. Paul the Apostle said this. He goes, our light affliction. Uh, Paul the Apostle, what did you go through? Oh, nothing much. You know, just I got whipped 39 times, three times, yeah. And I got beat down. I actually got stoned, and I died, and God resurrected me. I got forsaken. I was naked. I was hungry. I was abused. But in all things... I remain faithful. Hear me now. Some of you need to know this, and, I, and I'm going to close with this. I feel the Lord speaking to you. Because this is one of Jesus' natures, he expects this from his people. Say he expects faithfulness from me. See, there's a two-dual system here. Not just you receive his faithfulness and know his faithfulness, but he requires us to be faithful in all things. Listen to me. I, I just, yeah. The reason why people become unfaithful the majority of the time is because they have undealt with hurt. Unspoken hurt and they become unfaithful. They haven't dealt with something that happened when they were five. They haven't dealt with something that happened in their uh, marriage. They haven't dealt with something that happened in their childhood. I told somebody the other day, I go, do you know what the root of all rebellion is? And this young person says, no. I said, I have a quiz for you. What do you think the root of most, most rebellion is? And I, and I said, it's not what you think. It's not because they're just bad people. I said, it's because it's trapped pain. Trapped emotional pain. And because of that, they have an outlet. So they want an outlet. It's a temporary bandage. That outlet is in drugs. That outlet is in relationships to try to temporarily fill that need. That outlet is in, in um, uh, overeating. Whatever you want to fill in the blanks for. Overworking. Some people think that our bondage is just really the dark stuff. Sometimes you try to cover up some stuff by overworking. Now look at what Jesus said. I'm closing with this. This is good stuff. Look at what Luke 16 says, verse 10 through 12. It should be up on the screen. 
He who is faithful in what is what? In what? Luke 16, verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in what? Much. And this is Jesus talking, by the way. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have been faithful, sorry, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous riches, or mammon, that's another, unrighteous riches, who will commit to your trust the true riches? In other words, if you haven't been a good steward of your money, what makes you think you're going to get the blessings of God in your life? Again, that's not a rebuke. I I said this before, but I need to say it again. God loves the immature believer, but he can't trust the immature believer with great responsibility. It's like, try giving the keys to a two-year-old and tell them, go ahead, drive that car. They'll be like, yay! And they're never going to stop that car. And if they do, you better watch it. Why? It's not because they're bad or you don't love them. It's because they're not ready. Now look at this. This is key. And by the way, this is my landmark scripture even for this season. I was 17 years with Pastor Carlos in the Atlanta House of Prayer. 17 plus years. And this is a scripture that I held on to. Look at this. And if you have not been faithful in what's another man's, who will give you what is your own? What? Drop the mic. Look, look. Jesus said, if you have not been faithful to what belongs to another person, who's going to give it to you when it's yours? You know why God gave me this? Because I was faithful to a vision of another man for 17 years. I was. Those who are close to me know I was faithful for 17 years. Sometimes not knowing if this would ever happen, but I was faithful serving that man, serving, serving that vision, ser- serving the Orlando House of Prayer, who I lo- which I love dearly. And it came to pass when God says, it's your time. I didn't want to. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't, I don't, want to, I don't think so. It's your time. And when I said, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to mess up. I don't know what's going to happen. And that scripture came to my mind. He says, you've been faithful to what's another man's. I'll be faithful to what's yours. I'll be faithful to what's yours. Guys, I'm closing with this. Some of you need to understand this because you have wayward children right now. You have issues going on in your heart. You know what the Bible says? The eyes of the Lord are on the faithful of the land. Not just the anointed of the land. He said the eyes of the Lord are on the faithful of the land. He could have described any attribute to have his eyes on. He says, my eyes are on the faithful of the land. He even says, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth, seeing whose hearts are loyal to him. You know what the Bible says, guys? Here it is, and we're going to end right now. Thessalonians says he's faithful to establish us and protect us from the devil. Philippians 4 says he's faithful to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And Matthew 28, he's faithful to never leave you nor forsake you. When he's talking about the Great Commission, he goes, you will baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want everyone to stand up. I want everyone to stand up for a second. Some of you need to know the faithfulness of God in your relationships. Some of you need to know the faithfulness of God in your calling. Oh, come on, man. Some of you guys need to know the faithfulness of God in your marriage. Some of you need to know the faithfulness of God about your children. 
Listen, hang on to the revelation of faithfulness. Some of you need to know the faithfulness of God when it comes to a prodigal son or a daughter. Some of you need to know the faithfulness of God to your own ministry. Because some of you are saying, when is my calling going to happen? When is my ministry going to happen? When is this thing going to happen? So I want us to close our eyes because I believe God wants to heal us emotionally today and have a revelation to stand strong. Sometimes we forget, but the Lord wants us to have a revelation that His nature is faithful. Remember what Paul said. He goes, He cannot deny Himself. So guys, I want you to think about His faithfulness when it comes to a situation that you are hurt by or that you are incomplete by or that you're unsure of. You need a revelation of His faithfulness in your finances. Some of you in here, you're struggling financially. Remember His faithfulness. Align yourself with Him. Some of you are need to remind yourself of your calling because some of you have strayed away so much from your calling that you feel that, you, that He has left you. You need to remind yourself today of His faithfulness. Can we do that? Come on, close your eyes and lift up your hands.